Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. The Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is powered by BetOnline.ag and in partnership with the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. This is Season 6, Episode 264, and we kindly ask that you please subscribe to our weekly Bruins Hockey Talk on all worldwide audio platforms and video content on our related Black and Gold Hockey Podcast YouTube channel. Reading is tough. Uh, welcome to the uh, Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I'm your host, Mark Allred. We are here today with my friend... <coughs> Kevin O'Keefe, my man. How's it doing? How's it going, Kev? It's going great, man. Excited to do this. Yeah, dude. We have uh, it's basically like an open forum. We are going to be taking some questions from our listeners. There's a, there's a few of them in there t- uh, right now. So feel free to use the live chat and feed us questions. But we do have some topics that we can discuss, uh, more or less the recent news uh, from this Boston Bruins organization. But before we get into all that hockey talk, we do want to hear from show sponsor, betonline.ag. There might be less football being played, but betonline.ag has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scored, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is, is going to land, betonline.ag has a number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. And it's not just football. BetOnline.ag has basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right now to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline.ag has your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite game. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. 
All right, you just heard me talk about betonline.ag, and we are back with my boy Kevin O'Keefe. Give him a follow. You can, if you're on YouTube, you can see that his uh, Twitter handle is right there. Do yourself a favor and give him a follow because he's a good hockey and uh, Boston Bruins diehard fan. But let's get right into it. The uh, Boston Bruins are we're at the halfway point of the season, and, um, and I'm looking at the, the uh, standings right now. They do have a record. My computer's slow as shit. Uh, of 26, 14, and three with 55 points. And that is only six points behind third spot in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they are 6 3 and 1 in the last 10 on a one game winning streak due to last night's 3 2 win against the Kraken. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, it's one of those situations where I'm happy, but I'm not. I feel like. There could be, there could be so much more that this team could have done. But I mean, how can you be upset with the amount of points they were able to rack up and the amount of games that they were, you know, that they played in such a short time? Uh, they have a good record in the month of January, which is fantastic. But the last part of the month was really disappointing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Angie up in Newfoundland. I think that's how you say it. And I'm, I probably muffled that bad. Austin LaValle's in the house. What's up, brother? Lance Scabetta is in the house. What's up, Lance? Happy birthday. Happy 60th birthday, Lance. I'm sure you're going to love that one. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's not 60. I guarantee you. No. <laughs> I'm just giving him a hard time. Um. Yeah, it's. I mean, things could be better. Absolutely. Uh, for me, Kevin, I think the like the turn um, that I really started noticing something, and and pretty much all Bruins Nation started noticing, was the uh, the the seven to one loss, I believe, or seven to two loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, and that was pretty much the the turn for me to say what's going on here. And 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 my thought is like, that's when I really gravitated my 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 thinking to the defense and how this defense turned. And before that, it was a good transitioning defense, get the puck, get it out as quick as possible, move along with uh, and, and create layers with your forwards in front of you. Uh, but now it's more of like, we're, we're desperate to get it out. We're making cha- bad, bad, bad freaking passes, creating a lot of turnovers and putting ourselves defensively in a bad situation. And to me, Kevin, it, it, this is the kind of thing that on the defense that I would see at the beginning of the season, not midway. And, and we're trying to secure a playoff spot and kind of figure out what kind of Boston Bruins team we have. If, and when we do make the playoffs and how far we can go with that defense wins championships. And you know that. Absolutely. That's why I'm so high that this team needs to bring in a significant piece on the back end. And um, the transition game right now is just not there. Um, sloppy you know, exits out of your own zone, um, lots of turnovers in the neutral zone. Um, you know, most of the time when you're gaining the offensive zone, you're not really having a good breakout in that sense. You're not gaining it, um, you know, crisp and clean like you'd like. Um, I mean, that Seattle team, let's face it, they're not a good team. But they looked great against the Boston Bruins last night. They did. They looked pretty damn good. I mean – and then when the Bruins just let up a two goal lead um, in the third period, when they're usually absolutely dominant, it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, I, I don't think going into the playoffs, 
I mean, I know a lot of people analytically are very high on a Grizzly McAvoy pairing. I am too. I like the pairing. I really do. But when it comes down to it, Grizzly is not a top pairing defenseman. Um, I, I think you need someone who can really shine with McAvoy. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where his size too. I mean, I know, you know, size isn't everything, but in the playoffs, you need some size, and I think they do need to get themselves a good physical defenseman to play with McAvoy. Yeah, and listening to some podcasts over the past like week and a half, two weeks, a lot of Bruins fans and 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 podcast hosts are really talking about. You remember like the beginning of the season with the Krejci loss, it was like, we need to, we need to figure out this two C. Uh, so if we were going to be in the trade market, we need a two C and a defenseman to really make this team like, like show everybody that we can make a deep run and so on. But now it's like, you know, listening to Jaffe and, and Razor on the morning brew, fantastic podcast, by the way, I highly recommend. Um, but I mean, Jaffe's now just saying we need two defensemen. And I, he's not wrong. I believe uh, maybe a left and a right. I, I just don't think – I'm a Cliffy guy, huge Cliffy guy. And I have been uh, uh, throughout his career since he came uh, and signed an AHL-only deal with the Providence Bruins after, you know, not wanting to uh, continue with the um, the uh, Phoenix Coyotes at that time. I believe it was Arizona Phoenix. Uh, straight out of Phoenix, Qu- yeah, I think yeah. so. Straight out of Quinnipiac, you know. So um, – but – I do understand the need that we we cannot allow other teams, higher Elstrelon teams, or even a team like the uh, like the Seattle Kraken last night, find weaknesses in this defense because if they see it during the regular season, it's just going to come at them three times harder in the playoffs when everything is more aggressive, everything gets tighter, decisions are now. Uh, not half second anymore. They're like point zero zero five, you know, and it just something's got to be addressed soon. I like the structure of the team. I like, I especially, and you're a big fan of the lineup, the way the forwards have been lined up and so on since coming back from the break. Um, I like the way that things have, have worked out and, and, and the trust that Bruce Cassidy has in this team along with the coaching staff to roll with it and continue to see what you have and evaluate appropriately. And um, you definitely see how that change in that lineup is affected by a player like Eric Halla, who has not been involved in the last two games and how this team has looked in those last two games, which is very concerning to me. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, I don't think you can win a cup with Eric Halla, but what do you got right now without Eric Halla? I mean, he, he may not be the big name, you know, he may not have a 90 plus overall rating on NHL 22 on, you know, on your game console, but the guy is fitting in with that line. You don't need a superstar in between two superstars. You don't, I mean, yeah. you just need a guy who can gel really nicely and plays a similar style. And Holla does. He's got the speed. He's got the grit. He's got some skill to his game. He loves hovering around the net and picking up uh, rebounds to pot him. I mean, he's the perfect fit for that line. And you can 100% win a cup with Eric Holla in between a Taylor Hall and a David Pasternak on your second line. Absolutely. Oh, I agree. Um, I like the – I just – We are about six and a half to seven weeks away from the NHL trade deadline. So there's still a lot of evaluating to go, still a lot of phones to be rung. I'm sure Don Sweeney is doing his due diligence, regardless of the uh, of a fan base that absolutely trashes him for the job that he's done in the past and so on. 
Um, I'm a big fan of looking at a franchise like this Boston Bruins team right now and how they recover. That's the most intriguing thing for me is like, how do you recover from what's going on this season to what you're going to do the next year or even three years down the road? That's the most intriguing thing to me. And and obviously, you know, his signings have been, you know, up in the air, his trades have been up in the air, but I, I kind of get the feeling that this, this one is going to be something special because uh, there's one player that is possibly not going to be around and they might need to force that trade uh that let's get it done this year type of deal and uh and get it done but i'm also on the fence to say that if you go big you might end up sucking for the next three or four maybe even 10 years but yeah i mean we have no idea how it's going to play out of course all we can do is speculate but i did get to have a conversation with jimmy murphy and he did 100 say the bruins are in on chitrin uh chikrin sorry they are in on JT Miller. Those are big pieces that are going to command big prices. Um, you're not going to get it for, you know, Studnika DeBrusque in a second round pick. It's just not going to happen. Um, it's going to, you know, for a guy like Chikrin, it's going to take a, a price of a first round pick, a Jeremy Swayman and a Jake DeBrusque to get it done, maybe even more. Um, so there's a lot to look at. And the speculation that Chikrin might not even move before the deadline. Um, and that's your home run piece right there. You need something on that back end that's significant. That would be the significant piece. And honestly, one of the only significant pieces that I would put, I, I would put some uh, some actual assets towards because you're getting back a 23 year old kid who is, let's face it, he's got an elite skill set. He is absolutely physical. He can play in all three zones. He's a great player. And him and McAvoy together would probably create one of the best pairings in the entire league, which would give you a more comfortable uh, second pairing of like a Carlo and a Grizzlick. Um, and then, like you were saying earlier, a second defenseman would be nice. Um, I mean, I wish you could play a Riley forward, but for some reason, it seems like Bruce Cassidy does not want to play forward on that right side. Um, I'm not sure why, because it's been kind of highly touted that um, – that full board could play both sides, but I'm not seeing it right now. Do they not have faith in that? Um, and then with Vakanainen going down, I mean, that's going to create something, uh, you know, maybe a hole that you need to fill because he was playing great. He was eating up a lot of minutes for you. Um, so I think another guy, maybe a right side guy. But then at that point, who do you sit? You got Riley and you got full board. Who are you going to sit there? I mean, it's, it's tough. And, and especially sitting – $3 million. I mean, that's tough. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made, but um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in the boat that they're probably going to be doing something big. You know, what's funny is you mentioned that uh, Fulbert could play both sides and so on. And they, they just didn't have the trust in the past game or two games to, to make that move. But I believe the last game before Erho Vakanine got injured, he was actually moved to the right side. Really? Yeah, I thought I saw the lineup that being set up that way, and and which which was weird because Vakaninens is no is a regularly a, a left left shot defenseman, right? So, yeah. Which I thought that okay, you you would have trust moving him to the to the right side, but um, yeah, let's get let's get right into it. The, the Vakaninen freaking injury, you know, uh, he's just coming into his own basically, just really getting it and 
and uh, and he gets injured, much like he did in his first season with the Boston Bruins when he he, he eventually did crack the lineup because of injuries, but uh, didn't last long because of uh, a hit from, I believe, an Ottawa Senators player, and I don't remember who it is. Somebody yeah, I remember. Somebody said it to, on Twitter recently, <laughs> and I totally forgot. But um, you know, and then to me, as a uh, you know, a Providence Bruins uh, credential person that travels down and watches the games, I just saw something in his game that was more like he was into it, and he was you know in the game. But there were certain areas of the game that he just didn't want to get involved in because I was thinking that he just doesn't want to get hit again and get knocked out and so on. Right. But this, this, what we're seeing at this NHL level this year and happens to be his last year of his entry level deal. I thought it was a really good contract showing about the future. I mean, him and Zaboral now that, you know, who knows what's going to happen to Vakaninen um, because of that hit. Um, and then obviously Zaboros out for the season, but those are all obviously two defensemen, young kids that I would still entertain on returning to the lineup next season. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're in a good spot with those two because the way both of them were playing before their injuries um, was looked like they were well on their way to regular top four type minutes. Um, you know, they were playing those minutes. They were playing them effectively. Um, the only reason why I say on their way is because I'm not sure if you're going to trust two rookie defensemen in your top four uh, going into a playoff series where you're supposedly all in. Um, that just doesn't seem that that's kind of like going with Ladar and Swayman as your goaltenders, you know, but you say you're going all in. They didn't do that. I don't see them, I, even if they were, you know, healthy, I don't see them doing that. I see it them being like, okay, great. I'm glad that you guys have made these, um, uh, these, um, these steps forward uh we're gonna dive right back into that next season but for the playoffs here and for the stretch we got to go out and get some pieces yeah and um uh, on the vac and iron talk jason um asked and thank you for tuning in jason to truly appreciate it paul my friend i i sorry i didn't mention you in your uh last question but i did highlight it up here thanks for tuning in uh if vac is out for a while do you give a a, a hard look at jack ashan i would yeah. Um, you know, he's been playing really well down in Providence, can move the puck really good laterally. Um, offensively, he's 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 in tune. He just got that uh, that small body that people harp on, but the way he moves around is just it's so it, it's just seamless. It really is. And he can quarterback. He he really looks like Tory Krug, a 60-70 point type of Tory Krug in him. Um yeah, he could definitely, you know, crack the lineup. I could see um, Brady Lyle being another one that could. We'll see what happens. I mean, the um, the taxi squads end tomorrow, so that's going to be a, a huge um, a huge difference in the lineup between the NHL and the AHL. But I think that that's also going to be um, going to be good. Right, and you know, like you were saying with Ashan's um, size, but he plays big. He's like a little pit bull. So I guess, um, you know, that's good. If you're going to have the smaller frame, you know, be aggressive. Yeah. And Nick asks um, on the uh, chat, any cause for concern for down AHL seasons for guys like Lauco and, and Lyle? Um, Lyle did take a step back from last season, but this is basically his full um, AHL campaign. Last year, it was a 25-year season, which was just condensed. No playoffs. 
Um, then Lauko just constantly gets injured. I think he's still injured right now. I'm not totally sure. Um, I haven't seen any updates on him, but no, not really. I, I'm, I'm, I think Lauko is still going to be it. He's just got to stay healthy, you know, and he's, he's on his last year of his entry level, I believe too. So uh, yeah. big audition year for him uh, for the remaining uh, American Hockey League Providence Bruins season. So such, such a bummer too, because I remember the year that he got his first preseason game and I remember he just bursted through the uh, neutral zone, took that puck like as far as far left yeah. as he could and just absolutely ripped a snipe. And I was like, who the hell is this kid? It was basically on the goal line. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, who is this kid? So hopefully he can get it together and stay healthy because he could be a dy- dynamite player. Yeah. <clears throat> the last two seasons, Lauko has been really aggressive. Um taking advantage of the uh the liberties taken on on his on his uh teammates. Um got some snarl to his game and so on. So those are the type of players that I really want to see pan out is the is the types of players that you know they're not just gonna you know beat somebody's face in all the time, but they're also gonna offer some offensive capabilities, you know. I, I just I, I don't see that 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 role in the game anymore when you know John Scott is sitting down the end of the bench and he's getting two minutes of ice a night. That's just it's just wasted right. roster spot at that point, you know. Right. Get somebody involved that can play the all-around game. Be a little rough, but also bury one behind the twine. Yeah, we're far away from the from the Doug Glatz of the world. And, you know, for anyone who's seen those movies, I forget. What are those movies called? God, those are those are some good movies. Oh, I forget what they're called. Um, Goon. Goon. The Goon yes. movies. Those are some fun movies. But, yeah, we're far away from those enforcers. Um, you, still, you still got guys out there, like you said, who can put the puck in the net and – um, you know, can also win you a fight. Sean Thornton was one of those guys. He was, you know, he could throw down, but that guy had some skill. He he could put the puck in the net. I remember that that um shootout goal, or it was it a shootout goal or a penalty shot, one of the two, but yeah. God, the move he, he put on that goaltender was and he went backhand too. Yeah, surprising. <laughs> hey, I want to I want to highlight this one up from uh Palma Fred because this was interesting and it and it's it's really fresh within 24 hours of the uh Seattle game last night. I definitely miss seeing Jamie Lazon on defense. Did you hear Bruce Cassidy really pumping his tires? I did. And I don't know, man. I just kind of think that. There's some kind of reunion going to happen sooner or later with Lausanne and Jay Leach back to Boston. I think there's something going on. I don't know. I might be just overthinking this at all, but Leachy bought a house in New Hampshire before he left. Right. I don't even think it was finished. I remember he's only out. Yeah, he's only out there for a year. Right. So I mean, back with him. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I like Lozon. I think to start um, last season, he was absolutely fantastic with um, Charlie McAvoy. But then when he went down with his injury and when he came back, he didn't seem like the same player. Um, I haven't watched much of him in, in Seattle, so I cannot speak upon his game as of today. You might know a bit more about that. Um, but what I saw towards the end of the season, I wasn't – crazy about he's kind of like he's kind of a guy that has like a really high floor but not that high of a ceiling but he's a good defensive big body who can help shut down andrew mcpherson jumps in here on the chat any chance for a deal for ben Sherratt? not at not at the price not at the rumored asking price i'll tell you that 
Yeah, and Montreal, Boston dealing with each other normally does not happen. I think it's been, what, 21 years? Probably. Something around that. But, uh, I mean, Sherrod, he's a good player, um, you know, but he's not he's not a top-pairing guy. He's not I – don't, I don't even know if you'd really want to – I mean, maybe you could stick him in there as like a fringe top-four guy, but they want a first-round pick for him. This is what I want to answer. Nick comes in on the chat again. Do you think Mason Lowry and or Johnny Beecher signs ELC after their college season? I believe um, from uh, my good friend and our friend, Dominic Tiano from domhockey.com and uh, at Dominic Tiano on Twitter has mentioned that Beecher is probably going to be the one to sign his ELC because of uh, the recent – roster that that michigan has right now and they're pretty much like really i'm not sure of how involved they are but like they are like the nation's like i believe top five teams so they're going to challenge for a national championship and why not johnny beach should be a part of that regardless of where he is on that lineup because of the the depth that 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 ncaa club has um but uh the mason lowry i really don't want that to happen to be honest with you um, as much as I want Mason Lowry to play a full season in the American Hockey League and get that systems of, of pro hockey, um, I, I know he had a, an outstanding year in the USHL with the Green Bay Gamblers, and now he's moving on to uh, Ohio State. You know, I maybe after his junior year, an ELC could be worked out, but let's let's not rush this kid. I mean, he's got really really high end talent, a really good IQ. I do not want him involved in any trade talks and I want to properly do this defenseman because we need the next up and coming of, of Sally McAvoy and, 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 and others of, of Bruins past. So I just don't, you know, I don't want to rush these kids. I know a lot of people do because of uh, the win now, you know, mantra. I have a question for you then. Go ahead. Now, what, it would all right. So, what if you had a chance of getting Chikrin here, but one of the people who had to be involved in the deal was a Lori? Is that where you would kind of say, okay, yeah, I, I'd do that? Um, it, it is three years, you know. So basically, that's what you're you're kind of looking at Lori right now. Um, but you, you nobody can read into the future and see if if, if Chikorin would would actually resign after three years. Hopefully, he would after some success, you know, and just being a Bruin and not an Arizona Coyote. I mean, <laughs> but you know, I do have to say that that would probably. But if you put two choices, all right, Kevin, I know what you're trying to do here, Keith. You're trying to screw my freaking head up with this mental pretzel crap. <laughs> but if if I had two choices and they said Lysel or Lorai, I would say Lysel. Really? Yeah, I'm a huge Lysel fan too. But I I I just uh always gotta work on defense. There's right. so many, you know, there's so many forward positions and there's so less NHL defensive positions available on a team, and it's just you know, I'm think I'm always thinking about the future and, and how it looks. Right. So, but I, yeah, I'm on the other side of, of things there. I, I'd go Lori over, um, over, um, over Lysel. Over, over Lysel, yeah. But I, I don't think either answer is wrong. Right. You know, it's just a, a pro, both are, you know, I mean, I think Lysel probably is the higher prospect at this point, of course. 
he's probably your best prospect, you know, in your system, other than Swayman, if you can still consider him a prospect. Um, but yeah, LaSalle for me, that'd be a really hard one. <laughs> that'd be really tough. And I don't want to lose LaSalle either because this this potentially has the the inner workings of our first right wing properly drafted, developed player we've had since David Pasternak. And right. that goes back to 2012, 2013, I'm not sure. So, you know, that's something that we need. This prospect pool needs is, is we need some hard wingers, not, not the versatile forwards that, that Don Sweeney and the, and the um, development crew love to work with the guys that can just be shifted around everywhere. Yeah. You love to have a, a mixed bag of tools in your, in your box and so on, but still mm -hmm. you also need to have those just one dimensional players that, you know, that we need on the right side. We thought we had it in Sinishin and, and that was just, you know, it didn't work out, unfortunate. But this type, this is the kid that could be that guy. He put some more weight on, a little bit more size. He's, you know, he's 18 years old, so he's got at least another inch or two to grow. Who knows, you know, but. Yeah, and I mean, not only that, uh, the Bruins have been always very thin on that right side um for a good amount of time now that's another spot that they've always been pretty thin at like it's been ever since char and krug left <clears throat> it's been the left side of the defense and i'd say going as far back as to when you didn't have um louis erickson and riley smith at the same time that's about as far back i'll go to how long it's been since you've had a really good right side on your forward group that's right. And I remember uh, Louie was a versatile forward too. Played yeah. the left side and the right with the Dallas. Yeah. And he was good with Krejci. I mean, yeah. he didn't put up a ton of points, but he did have that nice 30-goal, 60-point season in the last year of his uh, contract here with the Boston Bruins. But uh, Ry uh, another one too, Riley Smith. I mean, he was he was a fun player. And he's yeah. doing great over in Vegas. Good for him. Who knew Euros and Euros can work together? Yeah. Obviously, you're not Bruce Cassidy by David Krejci's uh, comments back in the uh, Czech Republic. No, no, no. <laughs> I still Big love shots. that. I still love that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, why don't we take our, our mid-show break right now? We'll hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some fantastic stuff. All, notably, hand-signed jerseys, fully stitched and so on. This is Donnie Marcotte, 1970. And 72 Stanley Cup champion, fully signed, fully authenticated right there. Bruce Sullivan, awesome guy. You got to get in touch with him. Spice up your fan cave because it looks trashy. Get your Red Sox crap out of there. Get the Patriots crap out of there. Get the Celtics crap out of there. Black and gold, your shit all over the room. And do it by going to Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Bruce Sullivan, he does a fantastic job. And I'm sure he's going to tell you right in this commercial. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. On January 30th, we have a private signing with Miracle on Ice 1980 Olympic hockey legend and former Bruin Dave Silk. We will have Team USA jerseys, pucks, and photos. On February 21st, we host Big Bad Bruin and Shoe Fight veteran Mike Milbury. 
And on February 26th, we have Reggie Lemelin and Johnny Busick. Exclusive jerseys, pucks, and photos will be available to Bruins fans. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we're back. Just heard from Bruce Sullivan. He is an amazing person, and you should be like you should have written down, written, written down all the information to get in touch with him and get a jersey hand signed by one of your favorite players, Ray Bork, Sean Thornton, Donnie Marcotte. The one I'm giving away next this month, the middle of this month, that Donnie Marcotte will be given away to a Patreon subscriber that uh, hit all the information up in that ticket below and signed up. So, you know, it's all for a dollar. You could have a chance to win it. Or for a decent amount of money, you can just talk to Bruce and get your own. All right. We're back talking the bees, talking the bees. Um, Yeah. Emily Benjamin wrote a very interesting article on uh, NHL.com talking about Patrice Bergeron and his unknown future with the Boston Bruins. Uh, he is going to be a unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And uh, basically just, you know, paraphrasing throughout the whole, he just, he's not ready to have any talks with the team right now. And, you know, you kind of have to respect that as a veteran forward and, and, um, and, the, you know, a leader of this team, ultimately the, the one of the greatest captains that are going to put this, um, you know, the C on their chest. It, it doesn't matter for how long Patrice Bergeron is going to be a, a, a first ballot hall of famer, in my opinion. But what I like about it and, and the veteran thing that he did is he's not committing to a long-term. It's not about the money. It's not about this and that more or less. I kind of think it's about his health um, and how he prepares himself on a daily basis. Cause he is getting older. He's in his late thirties and uh, you know, retirement is soon to come, but uh, I kind of respect that he's not going to go right in and just say, hey, I just signed a four-year deal, and then we never know what kind of version we're going to have later on. But he's leaving it up in the air right now. Um, and I have to respect that. I really do. But it's going to suck. It's going to suck to have him out of the lineup. It's just I'm not ready for that. But Yeah, there's a ton of speculation that, you know, it all depends on how this year goes for Patrice as far as the team success and who they bring in at the deadline and this and that. And I seriously don't think it has anything to do with that. <clears throat> I think it, like you said, it's all about his health. Um, is he going to be healthy enough <clears throat> or be able to show up uh, mentally to be able to compete uh, for another full 82 game season? And that's yeah. what he's trying to figure out. Um, and he's going to be very tight lipped. You're not going to hear much about that. And then, um, you know, at some point you will it's just gonna kind of hit you like a bombshell whether he stays or he leaves and one thing i can say is if he does stay i can totally see him taking a contract that's maybe year to year going year to year and him taking under four million dollars for that year i really could see it he's a team guy he wants to win another one he's not going to come back just to finish last place and you know skate around and you know have some fun he's coming back to win this guy's a true winner. So um, I, I honestly do believe he's going to come back for another year at least. Um, 
but only time can tell. My thing about this whole thing is I think that he's a smart enough player to see that, hey, my window is closing. Um, and I'd love to have another championship before I walk out that door. Is that put pressure on the Boston Bruins to make that to that huge deal? You know, like we we hear what Patrice is saying, even though he's not clearly coming out in it. But we can paraphrase by reading a, an article like Emily Benjamin's on NHL.com and kind of read between the lines. You, just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it should. If I'm going to be completely honest, I don't think, I mean, I understand Bergeron's been a very loyal, very loyal player and um, uh, for this, for this team throughout his entire career. But I mean, I, he also probably understands there's also a future beyond him. And I don't think he would want them to 100% jeopardize that. Um, does he want to make another run at a cup? Absolutely. I don't think he's asking for the moon and the sun, but, you know, he may, you know, want them to do a little something, but I don't think he worries too much about that because Donnie does something every year, regardless if that's a couple of depth forwards or like last year you saw a Taylor Hall um, a, a few years, a few years ago, you saw Rick Nash come in. And I know a lot of people bum on him for that one, but what do you want him to do? See into the future and know that Rick Nash was going to have a concussion. Yeah, that's impossible. It, you know, it's like, uh, at the time, he was on his way to 30 goals in that season. He was still playing very well. He was a big power forward who could get physical. He was the exact winger that everyone was clamoring for, a power forward who can score you goals. And he got it. He, he went out and got it, and now everyone rips him. And it makes no sense to me. He did what you wanted, you know, so rip yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – you can't you can't really say much when a player gets injured later on. That's just that's just the bad part of the gamble when you when you invest into any player at that at that level of hockey. But um, for me, it was obviously it sucked to lose a first round pick because I hate giving away their first round picks. But the other thing was like Ryan Lingren, that kid. Yeah, I was really really high on him. Uh, I, I he missed the. I think he was really late for the 2016 development camp. And I asked Don Sweeney about it and he's like, yeah, he's coming in late um, because he was in college and so on. But uh, yeah, what a freaking piece. What a, what a, um, he's just got that, that, that Bruin style game that I was just like, even in development camp for like a day, I was like, wow, this kid can freaking really play, you know, close, close gaps defensively and just, Kind of reminded me of of the positioning and timing of Ray Bork in a smaller Boston Garden rink, just there all the time, and just a thunderous freaking how you doing? Yeah, I mean that him alone, you know, was great for them to get back. I mean, the first round pick, I believe, ended up turning into um, De- uh, Keandre Miller, I believe. Um, so they made out pretty nicely on that deal. And then on top of that, I mean, you, you kind of gave up a good amount. I mean, the first round pick, um, you know, Lindgren, um, Ryan Spooner, Bolesky was a cap dump. And that's why I think you had to give up, you know, as much as you did to bring over Rick Nash. But um, yeah, I mean, Lindgren was a tough one to see go, of course, because like you said, you know, you were very high on him and you saw some good stuff in him and you're the guy who's going to know that type of stuff because you're the one who watches, 
you know, providence religiously you you know you keep up with these guys so um you know kudos to you i, I, I gotta yeah, get myself I some ahl tv so i can be on that boat all i do is read about them yeah. but um <clears throat> uh yeah i mean like you said no one can foresee these injuries too you know at the time good deal makes sense for the bruins they were going for it um you know i mean the injuries happen i mean same thing happened with um david backus when he came over he he came out playing well the first game he had he had two points you know mm -hmm. right out the gate he looked he fit in nicely on that top six and then out of out of nowhere he gets a concussion comes back he's a little bit slower gets another concussion donnie couldn't foresee that he still probably would have been playing on your third line right now had that not ever happened taylor hall um uh, mentioned something last night in his uh press conference which uh, i thought was very interesting and it was uh an article on wei uh, I believe I have another level. Taylor Hall expects more from himself and the Bruins in the second half. Um, that is just something you really want to hear from a uh, an all-round talent like Taylor Hall, who still is an elite person in this league, um, skates well, back checks well. I just think that he was a really good fit to be a Boston Bruin. I'm glad he's here. Um, but you love to hear stuff like that because not only does it motivate himself to be better, but it also, you know, his teammates uh, are also, you know, trying to put that 110% in as well to try to, you know, climb up the standings a little more aggressively because you do have some really good, damn good teams this year in Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Um, two of those, Florida and Tampa Bay, I had at the top one and two. Yep. Actually, I had Florida at one, so my my pick for number one still good. But you I did. had the Bru I had the Bruins at two. I was I was fanboying boying it out, and I was just like you know. But I also had Toronto in fourth or fifth. So I gotta relook at my picks, but I know I had Florida at one. Um, I believe I had Bruins at two as well, and then Tampa at three, and then Toronto at. Four. I believe that's how it went, but I'd have to double wow, check. That's pretty funny. That's pretty damn close to mine. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to double check that. Um, but I, I, he's been doing so good lately, and is I, I think that his game really picked up at the uh, the end of that two week uh, kind of like COVID break, whatever. Um, the holiday COVID break, if you want to call it that. Um, but he came back with a with a. You know, I'm not. I, I, I want to say so many damn Jack Edwards freaking things, but I'm so sick of hearing them, and I don't want to say them. But you know, a little bit of fire under his ass, and I think that this is just going to increase that. Um, it, we we definitely got to continue the um, secondary scoring. Well, as we get closer to the playoffs, I want to just want to see more balanced scoring. I know the balance is a big name right now. We we were saying it was great and great until the uh, Carolina game recently. Yeah, we just got to keep putting the puck in the net, drive hard. The finish, finish for me is the biggest thing right now, and finish in the playoffs is what actually makes everything happen. So, I don't know. I want to, I want to believe his words because he's he is that all around talented player and so on. But I also hope that the everybody buys in, and it's not just an individual effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and Taylor Hall right now, like you said, he's been playing pretty good. He's uh, near a near point per game player since oh, uh, yeah. being, um, you know, not left on an island alone anymore. Um, and that was one of the biggest things, you know, which is one of the biggest things I questioned uh, Cassidy on earlier on in the year. 
I thought to myself, you're leaving Taylor Hall alone right now with two guys who I don't think he's going to mesh with. I mean, you know, people thought, you know, I kind of got convinced of this, myself included. I I can't, you know, be out of this. But people said, oh, him and Smith already have chemistry. But did they? I mean, I think him and Krejci had chemistry and Smith was there and benefited from both of them. But to say that they had enough chemistry to where because Taylor Hall is not the type of player that's going to carry a line. Um, he did it one time in his career, but that was with a player, uh, a center who was a lot more skilled and with a, a winger who was a lot better at putting the puck in the net. Was that New Jersey? Yeah. That was, was Paul Mary and uh, Nico. He Yeah. 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 You know, so he, he so I mean, did he carry that line in a sense? Yes, but he had an out-of-his-mind year. That was one of those things that, you know, he caught lightning in a bottle. I don't think you see that from him all the time because throughout his career, he's been, you know, a good complementary piece on a line. And that's what you're now seeing with a David Pasternak. Um, That's why I really truly believed he needed somebody like that with him, someone who plays the same style. Um, you know, with Krejci gone, I mean, you just had to kind of break up that line and him doing that finally is great. But now you're looking at Taylor Hall, 29 points in 43 games and what could have been for him? Who knows? I mean, he could be a point per game player throughout the entire year right now, maybe a few more points on top of that, because the, the chemistry by now between those two, if they had started that in preseason, my God. What do you think of Jason's thoughts right here? Smith is an excellent third liner. It would be nice to get an upgrade for a one RW. I don't disagree. Um, I think Smith is definitely a first and foremost, a third line player. Can he fit well with a Patrice Bergeron and a Brad Marchand? Absolutely. I mean, has he been slumping as of late? Yeah. That can happen to players. It ha- I mean, look, it's happened to Pasternak for stretches. It's happened. I mean, it's happened to Bergeron at times. You know, anyone can really slump as a National Hockey League player. But um, I do like the fit of Smith on that line. I think they should allow him to work through that. But if something came along where you were able to get a guy like a Connor Garland, who Sweeney's been obsessed with for the past few years. Of course, he's from Massachusetts. Yeah, he's situated in Massachusetts. (laughs) I can throw a rock right now and hit his town line. I mean, that would be a great pickup for this team and could really solidify your your top six. If you have a – you know, a lot of people say 2C, 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 but Hall is working there. You don't have to worry about that. He's not slumping. You know, and he's only on COVID protocols. He's not hurt. He's, you know, right. he's very durable. Um, he's, um, he looks great there. But if you put a Connor Garland with them and then you have your, your holla, holla, hall, pasta line, you know, however, tongue twister line. That's what I'm going to call them, the tongue twister <laughs> yeah. line. Um, if you have that as your top six, I mean, I'm, I think you're sitting pretty, very pretty. That's my the second line is the uh, the Mario and Luigi like holla holla pasta yeah <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, well, we got about fifteen minutes to go. Please uh, keep submitting some questions if you want. And also, next time we do this, 
if anybody in the um, in the chat and the audience wants to be involved and jump in the panel, have something that's Bruins related to say, please uh, get in touch with me on Twitter, DM, and we'll set something up. It's so easy to set up. You, I just share a link with you, an invitation link, and you click on that. You add your name and your Twitter handle, and you, you make sure that, you know, your mic is working and you can hear us and so on, and, and just jump on. It's, you know... It's a lot of fun. We, we have a blast doing these. We're going to be doing them way more often than I probably should because I could probably get in trouble with the wife, but we won't tell her that. But uh, Trevor Harrison's in the house. What up, Trev? Um, let's talk about the All-Star game. You know, um, yeah. it is the All-Star break. And uh, it, I used to love the All-Star game when I was a kid because they were actually playing a game. They actually had full lineups, East versus West and Campbell's and and, you know, Adams division, whatever you guys, um, um, whatever you call it. But now it's become more of a tournament, like a three-on-three tournament and so on, which is fun. It, it, it's good. It's fun. It really starts to showcase some of these elite talents in the league that a lot of kids and so on like. And obviously, it's a moneymaker for the NHL that weekend. Has it gone t- too far for, like, Captain Gray Hair, like myself, to – to sit here and be like the old man yelling at cloud because to be honest with you, I would much rather like go to Taiwan and, and see like ping pong shot out of certain areas than, <laughs> than to have somebody on the strip shooting a puck at like a card that is, you know, you're trying to win a poker hand and so on. So it, it's just getting a little carried away. <laughs> what a, what a vision for that one, huh? Kevin, <laughs> I 100% agree. Um, it's turned into an absolute clown show, especially the skills competition, which I used to be a huge fan of. Um, the, the The skills competition for me was always better than the All Star game, for like just in my opinion, because the All Star game is like pond hockey. I mean, it's it, it's Shining. not very interesting. I mean, the goalies are left out to dry 24 seven. It's it's discouraging for them it's weird but i mean with the with the actual skills competition it's become an absolute circus i mean just i mean they've gone as far to take away my styrofoam freaking uh targets for oh. accuracy shooting and they brought in the technology ones and they don't and they work broke. every they broke. year every year they don't work they it's, <laughs> an, it's a malfunction oh i remember they had to stop for like 10 minutes because the 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 and, and then they put the faces up of your Ooh, opponents on there. Trevor, Trevor, dropping some freaking knowledge here. Breaking news on this no uh, live stream. Are you serious, Trevor? Thank you. They're bringing back the foam. Bergeron's probably going to be doing accuracy too. I remember he did that before the accuracy shooting. Yeah, which is crazy because he's like more of like a passer and like a they gotta they gotta come up with a back checking skill skill competition for him when he's in there, like something where he can just steal the puck from a bunch of people and see how fast he can do it. And like yeah. a certain amount of time or something like that. Let me tell you something. Styrofoam targets in hockey. Perfect. Styrofoam yep. coolest for your beer. Not so good. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting to see, you know, them smash the freaking target. That's yeah. the exciting part. Exactly. I mean, hitting some stupid fiberglass screen with your opponent's face on it. Doesn't do it for me. <laughs> doesn't do it. Uh, um, fun, fun little fact, uh, that I saw on, on Twitter and I, I wish I found out who to give credit to, but the first all-star game was actually the all Ace Bailey benefit back, back in the day when, um, Eddie Shore, 
uh, was playing for the Boston Bruins. He's a defenseman. He's he's you know he's up in the rafters and so on. Stanley Cup champion multiple times, but tripped up Ace Bailey. Um, you know, took his feet out from under him, and Ace kind of went back and hit his head and uh, split his head open pretty bad. Never never returned to the game of hockey. But there was a benefit for for Ace because you know they didn't have insurance back then and so on, and uh, so they did a benefit. And basically got all the best um, players on the team, and did a benefit for him at I, I'm not sure which arena it was, but um, yeah, um, Eddie Shaw was there, and that was the whole thing. But that basically started the progression of the All Star Game, which is kind of cool. That is interesting. I never do that. Mark Savastano's in the house. What's up, buddy? He likes the hardest shot. I'm a big fan of that myself. Love it. And I, I even heard that they were trying to bring Zidane Chara in for that event, but he just uh, wants to stay home with family, take advantage of the uh, the days off. Um, he is an aging veteran, and I uh, totally understand it. But He's going to have plenty of time off in the spring golfing. I mean, exactly. it's, it's not like the Islanders are doing anything. They, they, they can afford to give him some nights off. I'll tell you that. I mean, go out there and do a harder shot competition, man. I mean, they, they want you out there because they know that you can. I mean, what was his highest? Like 107 point something? I thought it was 108 something. Yeah, 108 something. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, get the guy out there and just let him do And you know, and cut it out, Shower. Jesus, just do it. Savastano, that's why I have multiple concussions, 100 mile an hour slap shots to the melon. I got it from backyard wrestling <laughs> <laughs> from the first level of the freaking house. What up? Jumping off the, the shed through plexiglass <laughs> tables, you know, all that fun stuff. But no, I, I, I've gotten so many concussions from playing sports. I mean, hockey, um, soccer, uh, you know, like I said, backyard wrestling, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> I mean, I seriously hurt myself a few times doing that. What about the misinformation about my age? Lance Scavetta is like really upset about me calling him sixty, but 65, he's doing sorry. and he's doing it on a multiple accounts. That's which is pretty funny too. That's sorry, insane. Lance. Happy forty fifth. Does that make you feel better? Kimberly Shenitz in the house. Hi, Kim. Great to see you, old friend of mine. We used to hang out all the time. That's a good question. Who? I mean, we haven't seen. Let me highlight that a skills competition in. Was been two years now. I think nineteen was the last one we saw. Uh, we didn't see one for twenty or twenty one. So it's been quite a bit since we've even seen an all star game or a skills competition. Who is going to have the hardest shot? Oh, see, I don't even remember. Usually these are the things that I pay attention to. But right. like, like I mean, you said, we haven't we haven't seen it. So there's going to be no Shea Weber. No. And he was one of the guys who was competing with Char for a little bit until Char was just like, no, I'm done. I'm blowing everyone out of here. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. Who even is the last person to win that? I, I mean, like I said, it's been so long. I don't remember anything. I know Connor McDavid can skate fast. That's about all I remember. I want to say it might have been Seth Jones when he was Maybe. with the uh, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. I could be wrong. That's another thing too. That reminds me. I hate this whole thing where you know all teams are included and every team needs to have an all star. Cut it out. This yeah. is the NHL. What's up with the participation trophies? I mean, this is the NHL. Have the best of the best there. Period. Even if that was one team going, like period. Um, what else? Hey, it's National Women's in Women in Sports Day. Do you know that? 
Nice. I did not. And, you know, thank you to all the women out there who make their sports fantastic, you know, especially the hockey women out there. I mean, they do some great hockey. Uh, yeah. Boston Pride, you know, they're, they're champions. Yes. You know, they, they work very hard. You got you to gotta respect that. Absolutely. I love that team. I love watching them on Twitch. It's amazing. Uh, the PF, uh, the PHF is a great federation um, for women's hockey, a great platform. And it's great that we, we recently got news that the, um, uh, the PHF was granted $25 million to increase um, the salary cap. Fantastic. A lot, a lot of these women, they have 40 hour week jobs and they leave on Friday morning. So they work out with their bosses and then catch a plane and then they're gone for the weekend to play games and then back to, back to the home life and, you know, the regular 40. So, I mean, kudos to the, these, these ladies that just put out, just grind it out every year to, to play this type of level. And um, it really shows a lot, but uh, since it is Women in Sports Day, I do want to shout out uh, a woman, women in sports uh, that are writers, too, is uh, Lauren Campbell from Nesson. She was uh, a former black and gold hockey.com writer for a little while and then went on to Nesson, which I was super proud, super stoked for Lauren. Liz Rizzo is still with us um, here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. We, we definitely appreciate Liz and her contributions to uh, post-game articles. And, and I got to shout out this one because I'm a huge fan of Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman and, and 32 Thoughts and the Jeff Merrick um, show. But uh, he had Manon Rayom on today, and I absolutely loved Manon back in the day. She was a goaltender that actually – a female goaltender that got into a preseason game um, for the Tampa Bay Lightning against ah, the uh, yeah, St. Louis yeah, yeah. Blues. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I and she's now working for the Detroit Red Wings. So you know this is these are barrier crossing things that are going to happen. And I guarantee, I believe, uh, mark my words. I know you're going to write this down because there will be a GM, a female GM, within the next two or three years. I can totally see it. Yep. And, and yep. to to touch upon you know the women's hockey again too. You know how you said they work forty hour a week jobs, then they go and play hockey. A, that's badass. Two, you got to remember this is how this is how men's sports started too back in the day. They were plumbers, you know, electricians, whatever. They were, you know, they were mostly tradesmen, yep. and they were working their jobs and they were playing professional sports. And eventually, it grew into what it is now. And ladies, it can happen for you too, especially with hockey. I mean, you gotta you gotta think about it. Women outnumber, you know, men. You yes. know, they they outnumber us. I mean. All you women out there, you know, and men, you know, men who just love sports in general, support these, support these, you know, ladies, watch this stuff because, you know, eventually maybe they could be doing this for their jobs, you know, and that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Mark Savastano says he looked up on the internet and you know how the internet is never wrong, but 118.3. I don't believe that. I don't either. I want to say that that was an unofficial record. I don't think that that was done in an all-star game. I think that that was done elsewhere. I'm not totally sure. But I think 108, 109 has got to be the highest. Was it a typo? I don't know. I'm not sure. No, 108.3 I don't maybe? I don't know. I have to talk to Mark. I'm sure he'll come into my area tomorrow at work and be like, this is what I told you. <laughs> Did they know Charis? Wait, hold on. 
Because he still holds the highest record. Yeah, 108.8. Yeah, so I think that this was done unofficially. It wouldn't be the first time, wouldn't be the last. We keep all the mistakes in the pod. Maybe since they, you know, love to make everything absolutely insane as far as, um, you know, having things break down at the uh, skills competitions, maybe the the new reader they had, the miles per hour reader, just absolutely broke the red 118. But no, I oh, think no. He, he said what? a regular game. <laughs> oh, okay. Regular game. Right. Yeah, that so, makes sense. So if, if, if Weber was 118 in a regular game, Back in the 60s and 70s, when Bobby Hull was shooting pucks, they had him at 135. Jesus. But then again, they didn't really have like tracking back then. I don't know how true that is either. Okay. That, yeah, that was hardest shot ever recorded. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. We're at an hour right now. So I think that is going to do it. I think we uh, covered a lot of stuff. Got some good content for me to put out in the hockey podcast tomorrow. And the uh, YouTube channel, please subscribe to the audio podcast on all your worldwide uh, listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. We're, we're freaking everywhere. Um, and also please uh, subscribe to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast YouTube channel where we add all this beautiful video. You can see my gray hairs, you know, my awesome hat and this pretty cool freaking uh, sweatshirt, you know. But, hey, that's uh, a pretty good one. I, I haven't watched that YouTube channel in a while, but no, he's good. He's fantastic. Yeah. He really does a, fa- a really good job about breaking down the daily news and so on. So true, he does. Yeah, I enjoy it. But um, I want to thank everybody for that has been in the stream today and uh, and all the support in the in the uh, the past and and those who continue to support us. It's just it's it's overwhelming, and you guys are like family. So. We love just sitting here talking Boston Bruins, having a couple drinks, and just, you know, I know Kevin doesn't drink, but that's cool. He can still talk Boston Bruins. It's fine. He's got the water. You got Perfect. my water. Perfect. And he's, life, got a, and he's got a belly full of freaking lasagna. So he's yeah, just like. exactly. He's like. <laughs> I can't remember the cat's name, though. Um, God. God. Oh, my God. Now yeah. Garfield. Garfield, yes. He's like Garfield with a big old pile of lasagna with a microphone in front of his face talking Boston everyone's yep, talking. A bowl of water. You know, I'm good to go. <laughs> bowl of milk. But, anyway, thanks again for tuning in. We truly appreciate it. We're going to be doing this more often. If anybody wants to, uh, if anybody has any creative minds out there in the digital content world, whether you write um, articles, YouTube videos, or want to start your own podcast, reach out to me as soon as possible. We have room for a lot of new content creators. Um, the company has like 50 people that are, uh, are all connected together in one big happy family, and we're always continuing to grow. So if that's something you guys want to get in touch with, please get in touch with me. Send me a cover letter about your experience, what you know, and what you want to do. And we'll definitely review it and get you involved as soon as possible because we're just a, a content machine and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to do this every week uh, throughout the summer and it's just going to be a blast. So uh, with that being said, I'm Mark Allred. That is Kevin O'Keefe. Give him a follow. Passionate Boston Bruins fan right here. And um, we'll be back next week. Hopefully back to regular programming. A little screwed up this week, but uh, we'll see what happens. But With that being said, thank you very much, everybody. Have a great night. Peace.
Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.